You are listening to the Today I Found Out podcast, where each weekday we provide an interesting story that is going to feed your brain. You can read more great articles like this by going to todayifoundout.com. Hello, welcome to episode number 287 of the Daily Knowledge Podcast from todayifoundout.com. In today's episode, where exactly Pez came from, how their confectionery came to be developed, and in the bonus facts today, you're going to learn the specific reason why they started making Pez in peppermint flavor. There's also going to be a brief word from one of our fantastic sponsors, followed up by a bonus why article. Let's just get started with today's show. As a teenager, the inventor of the Pez confectionery created one of the world's first ready-made cake mixes, popularly selling it throughout the Austro-Hungarian Empire. The teenager was Edward Hass III. Hass III's grandfather, Edward Hass I, was a doctor who invented a type of light baking powder which he advocated over yeast in recipes as he felt it was easier on people's digestive systems. As a teen, Hass III began selling and promoting his grandfather's baking powder at his father's wholesale grocery store. While the packets of baking powder Hass III sold came with a recipe book and suggestions on how much to use as a substitute for yeast in recipes, Hass III got the bright idea one day to save the people the trouble of having to measure out all the ingredients for the Google Hupf cakes, a type of torus-shaped bundt cake made with raisins and almonds embedded in the cake. Thus, in 1914, he started putting together packets of the necessary ingredients for the Google Hupf cake, all mixed together, called Hassin, the ready-made health sponge cake mix. About four years later, the now 20-year-old Hass III began creating a line of other products, including Hass pudding powder, vanillin sugar, and a gelling aid called Quitin, which also sold quite well. Now with his baking business booming, Hass III decided to branch out and help develop a method of cold-pressing peppermint into small peppermint bonbon bricks. He distributed these to various friends and colleagues to get feedback on the peppermint candies, and they were received well, so he went forward selling pfeffermints, or Pez, to the public in small tins. Fast forward to the 1940s, where Hass III decided to start marketing Pez as a substitute for cigarettes, specifically targeting people who were trying to quit smoking. Hass III was a staunch anti-smoking advocate. He reasoned that people who were trying to quit smoking would have the habit of needing to put something in their mouths, so hoped they'd use his confectionery bricks. His slogan was this, Smoking prohibited, Pezzing allowed. Towards this end, in 1947, Hass III decided that instead of putting pears in tins, as he had before, they should be put in a device that would look like a cigarette lighter, which would also make it easy to share pears with others in a hygienic fashion. Hass III then enlisted the aid of Oscar Uxa to create the new dispenser, called a pez box, or, on the patent, a pocket article dispensing container, which sold very well over the next few years. Up to this point, Pez was marketed solely at adults, including advertisements with risque Pez girls. They didn't begin marketing to children until the 1950s, when Hass III & Co. were trying to sell Pez in the U.S. without much success. At the urging of Curtis Alina, VP in charge of U.S. operations, they switched gears and began targeting children in the United States, including creating fruit-flavored bricks instead of just peppermint Pez, and beginning to create character-based Pez dispensers, which were initially full-body molds, rather than just heads on a uniform box base as they are today. These character-based Pez dispensers were a huge hit and helped make Pez a relatively popular confectionery, even to this day. And now for today's bonus facts. While Hass III tried to use peppermint and the menthol in it to help people stop smoking, the cigarette industry went the other way with that, using it to get people to smoke more. 
Specifically, menthol works fairly well as a short-term reliever for sore throats and other minor mouth, nose, and throat irritations. Thus, adding menthol to cigarettes helps soothe the smoker's irritated throats, allowing for more smoking without immediate added discomfort. Bonus fact 2. On that note, menthol also works well to help soothe certain cold and flu symptoms. It has also been shown to help relieve bloating and pain from menstrual cramps. Menthol also works well in conjunction with aloe as a good sunburn treatment. The cooling sensation it provides helps ease the pain. Besides that, menthol works decently as a low-level pesticide and as a good mosquito repellent. Not only will it help repel mosquitoes, but mint oil will also kill them if they come into close contact with it. So this episode of the podcast is brought to you by a great company providing audiobooks, Downpour.com. These are DRM-free audiobooks. You can have them for 30 to 60 days, and that can even be extended. You can listen to them offline. You don't have to have an internet connection, unlike a lot of other streaming audiobook services. It's a really great service. 70% off the retail price of a lot of audiobooks, and if you go to downpour.com today and enter the code DAILY, you'll get an audiobook for just $3.95, which is a serious discount. And because today's episode was about entrepreneurship, I'd like to recommend a book to you. I think you should go to downpour.com, enter the promo code DAILY, and grab the book You Only Have to Be Right Once. And basically, this is a much more modern story of entrepreneurism. It's telling the story of Silicon Valley's new breed of billionaires, how people are making money there faster than ever before in human history. It's a great listen. Um, You should definitely check it out. And if you just go to downpour.com, enter the promo code DAILY, and that can be yours for just $3.95. And a big thank you to Downpour for sponsoring this episode. And now let's get into our bonus why article. Why Rice Krispies Snap, Crackle, and Pop The popping is a result of the walls of the Rice Krispie kernels fracturing. There are two prevalent theories as to the exact process that results in this fracturing, and it's entirely possible that both are occurring. Rice Krispies, also known as rice bubbles in some countries, are created by preparing rice in such a way that it will pop like popcorn during the cooking process, albeit much less dramatically. The popping puffs up the kernels. When the rice is finished cooking, most of the Rice Krispies will have solid walls with hollow, sealed areas inside where air pockets have formed. In the first theory of what is causing the fracturing of the walls, the sudden temperature shift caused by adding cold milk to Rice Krispies causes the air inside the hollow pockets to contract suddenly, which in turn fractures the thin walls of the Rice Krispies, creating the noises. The second theory also involves the fracturing of the thin walls, but by a different mechanism. The thin walls of the Rice Krispies have very strong bonds between the starch molecules due to the high heat Rice Krispies were prepared at. When you add cold milk, the sudden shift of temperature puts a high amount of stress on these bonds due to uneven absorption. This is actually the exact same thing that happens when you pour hot water over a frozen windshield. The dramatic temperature shift causes both the glass in the windshield and the walls of the Rice Krispies to shatter. Bonus fact. While Rice Krispies are puffed by preparing the kernels with steam to provide the necessary moisture to the kernels to pop them properly, other methods to puff up rice, corn, wheat, etc. are also possible. The most popular alternative is called gun puffing. In this method, the kernels are cooked under high pressure. When the cooking process is at just the right stage, given the particular kernel, the pressure is released, causing the kernel to rapidly expand. This method tends to produce a more spongy end product rather than crispy, like the method used with Rice Krispies. 
You just listened to an episode of the Today I Found Out Daily podcast. Tune in every weekday for another great episode, or find more articles at todayifoundout.com.